um, start that sentence over. You can't say his name. Oh I my know, sorry. god. Well, it's Max, and so Girl. it's so close. I know you didn't just. I know you didn't just give me that head bob or that finger pointing. Like oh, I know I, that you did it really stuff, well, though. but you're lucky that I like you so much, Lazarus. Lucky. <laughs> Public space travel. I can't help but believe that in the future we'll see throughout the world an increasing trend toward the next logical step. We achieve full communism. Public space travel. Public space travel. And so on and so on. Welcome to the Public Space Travel Podcast. I'm your host, Lazarus Wolf. With us today is Lucy. Yes, hello. Uh, Shadow producer Marks. Hey. And our new co host, Hunty. Hey. Hunty. Hunty. How's everybody doing? Fabulous. So well. Excellent. Should, Excellent. Should we introduce Hunty a little bit to the oh, yeah. audience? Yes, please. Hunty, did you want to introduce yourself? I was not prepared to do that, um, but I'll say no. No, just kidding. It's <laughs> improv. Okay. I'm supposed to say Moving yes on. and to everything. Yes, I'd like to introduce myself, and that's about it. Excellent. <laughs> All right. Well, we got an excellent episode today. Uh, it's going to be diversity and tech. I guess we could just like jump straight into this. Um, few few things that we got to administrative things we got to get out of the way. Our Patreon is now set up, so please help us out so we can make awesome content and uh, get that funding for that. You can check it out at patreon.com/publicspacetravel. And of course, we'll put in the show notes here. You can follow us on Twitter. All right, let's let's begin. So, we're talking about diversity in tech today. Um, Lucy, you're in the tech field. Did you want to briefly talk about just some introductive uh, kind of comments here. Yeah, so I'll, I'll jump this off. So I work in tech. I work as a web developer for an unnamed company in an unnamed city. In an unnamed state. And just getting into this, there's I think most people who will listen to this podcast will be aware that there is a huge disparity with minorities, people of color, and women working in the tech field and various tech-related jobs. First thing I want to bring up, there's a CEO for a company called Treehouse. The company's called Treehouse. The CEO's name is Ryan Carson. Treehouse is an online coding school. You pay a monthly subscription, like 25 bucks a month, and you can learn most languages uh, web development-related on there. Yeah, so I did a little bit of research on the Treehouse, and they have a commitment to equity, diversity, and inclusion portion where uh, they kind of outline some of their goals. They place an emphasis on investing in women and people of color from local communities to provide the opportunity for a career path with us with partner companies. They want to work to understand and remove behaviors that hold women and people of color back in career progression. Um, I guess for me, it just seems a little like it's a, I think this is great that they're doing this i think maybe the problem here is that maybe i'm jumping the gun here but uh 
it's a it's a double-edged sword, isn't it? Because we want to see increased diversity in tech, and also there's a savior complex that is providing this sort of platform for humans to say, yep, we want to increase diversity, and we're the folks to do it. All us white dudes. Uh-huh, as, a right. white, as a cisgender white woman, I feel like I can speak to this white experience to some degree, and I find it really problematic. Absolutely. I, uh, I guess I should say, I don't think I've ever said this on the podcast, but I am, oh, no, I have said this. Um, I am a Latin American getting into this field. So it's sort of like a personal issue for me. Um, but it's hard as a Latin American, or it's been difficult to know sort of my place in questioning this field in this way. It's hard because, like you're saying, like it's, the person or the people who are in the best position to make the change are also somewhat responsible for the change not happening. Yeah, no, I would say that without the question mark. I would say that as a declarative sentence. The, the people who have to make the changes are the people who are responsible for it not being diverse in the first place. Period. Exclamation point. Period. No caveat. Yeah. I'll say it for I can say it. I'm not in the Thank tech you. industry, so I have like zero qualm being like middle fingers. <laughs> so like my when I first was segue right now into more about Ryan Carson. So when I first came across his story and his whole uh, awakening, I should say. <laughs> um, yes. And he started posting on Twitter about we had this issue at my company with all a bunch of white dudes. What's up with that, y'all? Let me try and change this. Uh, wrote a couple of articles. Uh, Treehouse started to expand its own articles on its blog regarding this issue. At first, I was excited because that was the to me that was the first white person in tech who had a position of ex- exceeding power to bring up this issue and actually talk about it in any kind of real meaningful way. Since that time, I haven't really seen a lot of other examples who gone as far to say as much as he said, although, as we'll get into, his awakening is also filled with, it's a, it's a treacherous path he rocks. So uh, I'm going to read off of Ryan's article that he wrote earlier this year, February, uh, titled Diversity. It's not them, it's you. So it begins off by saying, I hear a lot of CEOs and managers say that they are trying to diversify their teams, but that not enough women or people from the black, Latinx, or LGBTQ communities are applying for the job openings. The truth is, as a CEO or hiring manager, if your teams are not diverse, it's your fault, no one else's. Cool. That's awesome. So... Moving on further down this article, he goes on to say, I looked around the company, saw a bunch of white dudes. I was like, how do I change that? Wandering around the cities, uh, this is Portland, he says, I realized that I had few black friends and no Latinx business contacts. The truth is, I didn't even know where to build those relationships. I tried to put myself in a black or brown developer's shoes when applying for a job at my company. I couldn't because I had no information about how that would feel. I had no idea what it would feel like to be in the minority, so I set out to put myself outside of my comfort zone and try to find out. This is the crossing of the threshold moment <laughs> for him. He's awakening. <laughs> Apparently. He's about he's, to win. He's, he's, yeah, woke. he's woken. <laughs> God. 
can we can we just talk about like a couple just like a couple aspects of this that are just like <laughs> so deeply problematic. Like I like he just now realized he has few black friends and no Latinx oh business contacts. So for, so first oh and for so like he's building his Rolodex. Like I'm not entirely sure what that sentence is supposed to. Okay, so that's fine. So, and he didn't know how to build those relationships. It seems like he still hasn't. It seems like he wrote this article without ever talking to a person of color about how cringy this is. Is cringy the right maybe verb? It's just it's hard to read and look at because yeah. Ah, it's like it, it's it's kind of like. It, do you feel like this is like the you know air quotes here like woke white person like basically that version of like trump's comments of like where's my black friends where are they where yeah, are they I mean, there's kinda, my black friend but i mean he also talks about he has no idea what it'd feel like to be in the minority the thing is that as a white man he kind of already is it's just that mm-hmm. he's never been without the privilege of whiteness and so he he talks about i have no idea what it feels like to be in the minority no dude you've never recognized that as a white man, there are more people of color than you, and there are more women than you. It's just that you've always had power. And so, oh, God, there are so many parts that are really painful. Oh, but I think that I, I love this next part, and I can't wait for Lucy to get into um, the barbershop moment. Sorry. Yeah, okay. So, <laughs> so uh, crossing the threshold, our young hero comes upon... <laughs> A barbershop, of all places. Uh, He says, um, so my chance had come in the shape of a barbershop. I had been going to the same book online and get someone different every time barbershop for a long time. I needed a change, and also I needed a haircut. As I was driving one day, I noticed (laughs) a black barbershop. I had never considered getting my haircut at a place that was frequented by predominantly black people before. This was my chance oh, to be out of my God. comfort zone. I called and made an appointment. Uh, I'm going to go on to the next paragraph. To, like, call All the chairs. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, what? I was saying, it's kind of, isn't that, like, really white to, like, make an appointment? Maybe, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> Hello, good I, sir. I would like to know if I can get a fade, um, perhaps, later this week at Thursday at 3 p.m. Thursday at 3 your schedule? That works for me. Thank you for calling. <laughs> I can imagine... Like, I totally expected him to say, like, I called to make an appointment. And to some surprise, they said, just come down here. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> Whoa. This is like anarchy over there. <laughs> and for the record, this is not how Treehouse business practices function. I just want to put that out there. <laughs> okay, so, but again, complex, right? So, like, uh, is it, so there has been... There have been TV shows where folks have done this, right? Where, like, white people go into a predominantly what they would consider black establishment, like a barbershop, to, like, do this, like, social project, Mm -hmm. right? Or, like, social, um, what is the word that I'm looking for? Yeah, like a project. Like, like, let's Mm -hmm. see what happens. What would you do? Ah! It is always kind of like a project. Right. like Like a fish out of water story. Yes, exactly. And so, okay, so the way he's framing it, again, obviously has never maybe even talked to a person of color before and definitely no one, no one of, like, no, no women probably, no people of color proofread this article before he submitted it to Fast Company, for God's sakes. But also, good for you. Like, I don't even want to say good for you. I'm like, dude, uh-huh. 
why did you publish this? He's, it's oh. like he's, he's kind of taking like this cringy, like white anthropologist, like take of it. Like I, this, <laughs> this society, this, uh, this, I just, hmm. Yeah. And all to under, yes. And all to put himself in black and brown shoes. Do you, do you, yeah. Do you think that like, he like, he like, Hey mom. Yeah. Earlier today, you'll never guess where I went. But yeah, I went to a black barber shop, right? Yeah, but it's all like it's all for again, black friends or Latinx business contacts. Right. It's it, it's still, and I think we'll get into this a little bit later. Like it's still for this like capitalist oppressive like end, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. and, and and obviously to be able to print this article. I mean, like this is all no publicity is bad publicity right and so you write this article and you don't have people sitting there critiquing the stuff that are happening in front of them so there there are plenty of white white folks in the tech field right now reading this like wow that was brave (laughs) i don't know that i could do that ryan he's just something else he's a hero do you want to talk about do you want to keep talking about his his awokeness his coming of awokeness um his yeah, anthrop- and his his anthropological take on on the, the layout of the barbershop. <laughs> oh my fucking! It's so good. Um, <laughs> so he's made an appointment at this point, uh, and now he's at his appointment. Um, our young hero. So this is very cool. Uh, all the chairs face the middle of the room. That's useful information. Which meant which meant there was no way to escape being part of the group. Everyone was friendly. And no one did anything to make me feel like I wasn't welcome. But they also didn't change the way they were talking or what they were talking about. I felt nervous about joining in because I didn't understand parts of the conversation. After my hair was cut, I realized for that brief moment, I had felt a tiny fraction of what it was like to be in the minority. I continued to return to that barber for several months to learn more empathy and build relationships. Business contacts. Business contacts. <laughs> <laughs> I started listening to uh, Lil Pump, uh, <laughs> and <laughs> I now Did know. You guys know that Lil uh, Uzi doesn't actually have is. an Uzi. Oh my god! Uh, he did. He felt nervous joining in because he didn't understand parts of the conversation. Yeah, because they're speaking a different language. A different. I. I, 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 I w- I was a little scared. He, I, he, they were said they were part of the Gucci gang, and I just I don't know how I feel about <laughs> organized crime. There was no way to be to escape being part of the group. So, in the context of his business, okay, so <laughs> capitalist enterprise. He goes to a place where they make money cutting hair, and he's like, "They were nice to me." No, really? You made an appointment, you idiot. First of all, they knew you weren't <laughs> from around here. Second of all, yeah, they need your money. They figured probably it was they, were, you, they figured cameras were coming with him. Let's like let's just be really honest. Like, you call a barbershop for an appointment. God. Also, I, I didn't realize this at the time, but. Why didn't he give a shout to the barbershop? Why is it not included here? Yeah. That would be so easy. Yeah, just generic barbershop. It was a barbershop in Portland. How many? I'm, I'm about to Google that on my tiny pocket computer and see how many barbershops in the Black Portland metro area. in Portland. It's going to be four. I'm going to call. I'm going to call and be like, hey, are you the barbershop that this treehouse dude came to? Was he weird? Do, tell the truth. Do you, do you yeah, think that like he actually like made this too. up? Do you, do you think, think he what? made it up? 
Like this kind of raises somebody who's like actually never done any of this and just like kind of like, okay, well, um, let me imagine all the seats were facing each other and um, I couldn't get away. Yeah. Okay. I think that's what a barbershop is like. That actually doesn't yeah. make a lot of sense if you've ever been in any sort of place where you got your hair cut. I, I don't know. Right. I, this is why I want to call the barbershops in Portland just ask. He probably just went a movie barbershop. Yeah. <laughs> Three times. He didn't understand how, what they were saying either. There's, there's like English, but it's not. I got to look at the script. <laughs> God. <laughs> The good news is that he did listen to a podcast later, so that's really great. He listened to the Seeing White podcast. I think it's good to shout out other other podcasts probably, right? I mean, that's great. Seeing he, White. What is did, that all about? I have not listened to it. He did make a point to highlight another podcast, yes. So this still makes <laughs> me think that he probably did lie about the barbershop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't, Because I know what words to use and I know to say. But he keeps using the word minority, too. And I'm like, I'm pretty sure any podcast called Seeing White. He's like, Seeing White to help me understand that white is a color, too. Girl, no, it isn't. What? Oh, girl. <laughs> I, was, I was explaining. A color that um, gives me privilege. It's a color that gives me privilege. Girl, you're not white. I had this conversation with my students once when I was teaching, and um, they they were talking to one another, and, and their skin color came into the conversation. And so one little girl um, said, oh, well, this other little girl, she, she white like this because I, I was the only like white human in the room. And I made them get a domino, and I was like, what color is that? They're like, it's white. I was like, okay, what color am I? And they were like, oh. Your peach. And so from <laughs> then on, but I mean, it's like this idea that white is like this monolithic thing or monolithic culture. And that's absolutely not true. And I told Lazarus, Lazarus once that I don't, I don't capitalize white when we're talking about culture, cultural things. I do capitalize the word black because black can be a, a culture. White is not monolithic. It's going to be different from place to place. And it is about privilege. So like, good job. Ryan, I'm giving you snaps for that one. But, however... <laughs> you hear us, Ryan? He also, you he, also, <laughs> he, also read, he also read the new Jim Crow. So that was that was something else. Bully for him. Bully for him. It changed the way he thinks about the justice system. And so now he's all about equity and human rights and taking down the industrial prison complex, right? Prison yeah. industrial complex? Yes. Okay, that's what I thought that meant. Yep, he's had a meeting with the goddess, and so he's. he's I love like the in this whole thing, it really does read like he's like, here's my origin story of how I became the greatest CEO ever. Like this is all so planned, because um, he he goes on to say how he's like, okay, I was becoming educated about issues surrounding social justice, um, but I still hadn't made any actual business partnerships with people from underrepresented groups. Um, I'd heard of Afrotech and dismissed it previously. Hmm. Nevertheless, I bought a ticket and went. I was probably one of two or three white faces in the crowd. I spent the day talking uh, to so many great people and came out with a pocket full of business cards who would become new friends and allies. Now that I had newfound empathy and allies, it was time to partner with them to discover the local talent who would actually apply for my vacant jobs. <laughs> <laughs> he used the guys he met at the barbershop. 
<laughs> he's like, I told the guys at the barber shop, I was like, you need to put out word that I am hiring. And then he stopped going because that took two months. And he was like, okay, I don't need to come here to get my hair cut anymore. I'm a fade he probably, that's probably why he did it, giving them a shout out because he knew they would talk shit about him. I know, for real. It's true. It's uh, so true. They, oh. the barbershop guys, according to Ryan, said that he should contact the Boys and Girls Clubs of America, Dress for Success, and the Urban League. So apparently in Portland, all people of color utilize these types of services. Does he know what that means? He's like, huh, what's Dress for Success? That sounds lovely. Do they carry Tom Ford? <laughs> that Ryan guy, he's why do you even let him in here? Don't let him in every time. Yeah. I stop coming you know, because Ryan comes in and he asks a lot of stupid questions. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and it's funny because he's like, you know, but it, it worked out for me, y'all, because he had one or two interviewees who were women or black or Latinx for every position they had open at his thing. His teams became more diverse. He doesn't talk anymore about the LGBTQ community. I wonder if he recognized that maybe you can't always tell just by looking at a human yeah. whether or not they identify as such. So It's hard to say because he hasn't written an origin story article about it. So we'll never really know. He hasn't written an what? origin story article? <laughs> <laughs> Are, do we have? I would love to see statistics about the diversity numbers of Treehouse and how they compare to other tech. Like, is it really that much better at this point? Like, when was this? When did he write his origin story? So this was oh, in only February in February. Of this year. Only in February. Yeah. I don't know if we be able to tell at this point, right? It, I think it'd be too soon. Too soon. I'm doing a quick search. We may have to edit this part, but I'm gonna do a quick <laughs> Google search. I'm I'm doing a internet time machine on the website treehouse.teamtreehouse.com and it like started in 2007 and it's just kind of like you know like you just started a website with that just has like one word on it but you can see as it goes over through the years like it for it does begin like nothing with diversity uh, initially but then like i'm looking in where is it like in 2015 it's like it doesn't say anything about diversity it's more about just like learn code and that's pretty like there's a white lady on it and she's like now i can sit down in front of a computer and turn an idea into something tangible something profitable it literally changed my life and then just going further through the years here now we're finally up to 2018 and it's still not explicit about the diversity aspect so it's interesting that this article you're reading from is written in 2019 and it does seem like it was a recent thing that he got his hair cut <laughs> he went there for months months how fast did his hair grow like how often would he probably need to go like once a month so he went there like three times you think maybe oh 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 wait hold on in 2018 september 26 2018 <clears throat> they have a thing under the heading Art Impact, and it says Treehouse believes in the democratization of technical education. There are currently too many barriers, economical and psychological. Our students learn at their own pace and become job-ready within months at a fraction of the cost. We are committed to making education accessible to students of all races, genders, sexual orientations, and socioeconomic backgrounds. And then you just scroll down like a tiny bit more, and it's like our leadership. And it's like this white guy, Ryan, this other white guy, and a white lady. And then, like, that's it. Tight. Tight, tight, tight. So 
it, it must have been yeah like something really recently where he's like oh my god did you say that was october that was september of 2018 september 26 so it was um there was a ton of stuff about melinda gates and the gates foundation um mm. working to get more diversity in tech early in september and even as early as like march and so i don't know Maybe he's trying to get some of that sweet coin from the Gates Foundation. He's like, oh, oh, oh is this what shit. we're doing now? This is you all. You know what? I, that's a, I hear yeah, the call. Yeah, that's actually interesting. <laughs> I, hear, I, I hear the call. The sound of money. The trumpet blaring. <laughs> to the Twitter. <laughs> dun, 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 dun. Oh, the whole origin story and hero is, is all coming together. I love it. He does have... Uh, in his in his uh, Twitter thing, he has Ryan Carson, and then parentheses, he him. Wow! Oh, actually, that makes me happy. Thank yeah. you for thank you for letting us know what your correct pronouns were. I do like after that. that article. I'm not surprised, but I mean that is nice that he. Yeah, so I I do want to say like it's like he is trying, and he's the only like I said the only one that I've seen who is trying. At least given any type of effort, no matter how cringy it may be. Um, you know, it's <laughs> funny, though, that with in terms of like labeling and putting his pronouns on his Twitter, I mean, that's that's a power move, too. Right. Like not all humans are going to feel like they can or should put their pronouns necessarily on their Twitter right. account. And no. And I, and I have not seen I mean, like sometimes you'll see, you know, like Latinx social justice advocate or like black feminist you know but oftentimes and that's like in their you know like their little blurb about themselves but I I mean sometimes it's not safe for people to put their pronouns on social media it's true yeah there's there's something in the I believe it's in the fast company article to see where he does say um, to the company instead of saying they're not applying find out why and then ask how you can help. That's sort of like the, I think, the takeaway he was trying to get from the article. When um, did he do that, though? Like, when is that something? He doesn't say that he did that. He was like, I went to a barber shop and I understood black culture. So I was like, hey, yo. He probably didn't say yo. He was like, oh, excuse me, he sir. Say yo. I would like to make another appointment and also, do you know other black people <laughs> who work in tech? Black people, specifically black. Well, I, I got I got a friend. His name is Joseph, and he's white. Does that work? No. I need a black friend. You, hey, black person, look at me in the eye. I need you to find your other black friend and get them to my company. <laughs> I don't want to hear about your white friends. Okay. I don't want to hear about your white friends. <laughs> oh, I just—it's not funny. It is. It's like hilarious. And on the other side, like, you know, there are other like tech professionals who are reading this. It's in Fast Company. Isn't this what all all the tech gurus like don't a bunch of people read Fast Company? I personally do not. Sorry, Fast Company. This is not like a publication with which I am terribly familiar. However, I know that they have a ton. They're the ones they were posting about Melinda Gates and her push to get more women and people of color in to tech. And so other folks are reading this and they might be going to barbershops and still not asking the right questions. They just want to feel like they understand people who they think are different from them. And I don't know that that's the way to do that. I almost picture you like your, cause that company is, it's a pretty substantial publishing company. I think Yeah. people, yeah, doing the same thing, 
going to whatever they think is the place to meet and recruit people um, in the same kind of cringy fashion. But like, so first, from my end, I don't know what else they should do. I was trying to think about this when I was looking into this. It's like, what, like, from my end, I don't have enough information to know what's the right way to do this. The only thing I know is from my perspective growing up, I didn't even know that I wanted to get into development or the tech field for like years. Like when I was in middle school, I, you know, was into computers and things like that. I actually read a lot about Bill Gates. I got made fun of because I was surrounded by a lot of my peers who are mostly Latin and black students. And then there's this thing where if you, especially back then, if you were at all interested in like reading or learning things, you're like a nerd. So then you're ostracized. So in order to survive and fit in, I just kind of had to be like, all right, well, I want to be a cool kid. Um, Cause I'm tired of getting fun of. But then like, as I got older, I was like, well, let me go back and investigate. At this point they have uh, free code camp, which is, a hundred percent free resource for learning coding, by the way, Ryan. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, and so kind of like for myself, I started real like, Oh, actually I do like this. Um, I wish I was doing this 10 years ago. Like I just enjoy this. Um, and a lot of people I know are kind of the same boat or from my background, had like the same situation where they don't know that this is something that is like a, a career path that is available to them something they could do and it's hard to like I don't know without um meeting uh, a specific person at a company I worked at who kind of gave me a little bit of knowledge about this that I would have ever picked it up again or got into it and I don't know how other people can get in a situation where they feel like this is something they could do for themselves or get into the only thing I can think of is like this one cringy story of a white man coming in and being like, hey, hello, masses of, of people who need my help. How about this? Take, take a look what I got. Oh, I never considered. <laughs> I'm so glad you came into my, <laughs> into my black barbershop. I would have never known. Oh, <laughs> it's so gross. Um, but so that's Ryan's story. That's good old Ryan. Good old Ryan. I was just doing a, uh, looking back on some of the tweets by Ryan Carson, and he's definitely deleted some of his older ones, and there's one that's kind of questionable, and I'm trying to find out what it says, and I'm trying to find it. It's interesting. Like prior to his awakening. But we'll see. I think that's all the fish I had. Do we want to move on to Rainbow Socks? Oh, yeah. I forgot what that was about. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, we touched on that a little bit earlier, right? Like, he doesn't really talk about the LGBTQ folks, and I'm wondering if it's because in his, in his you know, self-discovery, yeah. he realized that not everybody is wearing a Rainbow Socks or a Pride flag with yeah. pin or... Mm-hmm. Isn't there a picture What he needs to do is or... get people um, pins to put on them so you can tell. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. Yeah, maybe everybody should do a 23andMe so he knows exactly to what degree mm. everybody is white or not. Yeah, that would help him. <laughs> we should come up with a list of ways to help Ryan <laughs> become woke. 
that would be so awesome. <laughs> Things you can do to awaken. <laughs> to awoken. You know what? Maybe that's that is something we should publish. Uh, a how-to article of how to awake. <laughs> yeah, how how to, how to be woke. There's a couple. There's a couple of books like that already. There's the one. Um, like things white people like, I feel like I feel like Ryan would understand that text. I feel like he would. Be I don't. I guess I have. I guess I have to listen. I guess I have to listen to Seeing White first, and see like how woke that podcast is, and see like to what degree Ryan might already be learning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Damn, I can't find the fucking tweet because he deleted it. But it said he was like responding to somebody and saying retweet. But he said that quote when we call these brutes quote terrorists unquote we boost their self-esteem from now on let's agree to call them baby killing coward fucks but i'm like what is this in response to and obviously i deleted it so i'm just like ryan carson what the hell what are, who are you talking yeah, quite about? quite a temper quite a temper anyway so <laughs> he's like no tr- trump stole my phone <laughs> it wasn't me <laughs> it wasn't me it was kefefe <laughs> oh my god so yeah do we want to talk about um kind of a little bit further like this notion of uh treehouse wanting to be very inclusive you know uh from the different like diversity of communities people of color groups etc and also the lgbtq like uh community did you did you want to kind of talk a little bit more about um because we had talked off the podcast about um how the workplace it's not appropriate to be like hey what's your sexual orientation i want to be like diverse here and and, you know like and you know what i mean so maybe you could talk a little bit more about that point well i think that that ties in a lot to his article and he says that he wants to actually have these conversations with humans and then he doesn't show any evidence of having done that because you can still have conversations with people who are who are queer and who are proud of that and who want to have these conversations also, but you do to some extent have to look to have those conversations. And I think that, you know, it's, it's easy, it's easier maybe to see that. I mean, if they're not wearing rainbow socks and a rainbow lapel pin, and I am saying that tongue in cheek, I don't expect anybody that that's unnecessary. Um, But that he's talking about people that is, that are easy for him to identify by sight uh, that's 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 rough, you know, and I don't think that it should be representative of the ways that we hire people and diversify our workforce. I mean, you want to look for diversity, but is the way to do that to contact your barber shop and say, "Hey, y'all, do you know anybody who works in tech? Like, do you know anybody who could apply for this position? So what positions is he opening for this? Like, what kind of qualifications is he looking for? And it's systemic, right? So. Sorry, you asked me one question. I went off on a tangent, but no, yeah, um, it's really hard to uh, it, 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 as it should be. It it's not something that you should ask somebody if they belong to the LGBTQIA plus community. You shouldn't ask somebody if they're queer. That's not okay. So how are you going to ensure that you're diversifying <clears throat> a workforce in that way unless you actually have genuine conversations with people? who want to talk to you about this. And I don't see any evidence that he's reaching out to communities to make sure that he knows how to have these conversations mm-hmm. in the first place. Agreed. I think yeah. that the points made earlier about just business context and how do, how did you put it? Building a Rolodex? Yeah. 
Yeah, I think or, that that's... Or uh, diversifying his portfolio. Yes. Mm. Ew, yeah. that's so much grosser and better. It's both <laughs> things. It's and also. So can we talk about then kind of connecting and segueing this to the Melinda Gates, um, the specifically the article that was written uh, by Wired, um, by Jesse Hempel, titled Melinda Gates' New Research Reveals Alarming Diversity Numbers. It was written uh, September 12th, 2018. And it talks about uh, executives at tech companies say gender diversity matters. They opine that there aren't enough women in tech and express outrage and frustration that just 11% of senior tech leaders are women. But in reality, they spend very little of their philanthropic daughter dollars attempting to close this gender and race gap, according to new research released today by Melinda Gates in partnership with McKinsey and Company. Last year, according to the report, only 5% of companies' philanthropic giving went to programs that focus explicitly on women and girls in tech, and less than 0.1% of their grants went to programming for women of color, a group whose representation in tech is getting worse. Over the past decade, the ratio of black, Latina, and Native American women receiving computing degrees has dropped by a third, from 6% to just 4%. That's like really upsetting because the... The, the history of like, computer programming was led by women. The first computer programmer was a woman who was yes, a Yes, girl. Yep. Uh, the reason being because men were like, women should do this job because it's super tedious and boring you know, with, the old, with the old computers. So they were like, this is for women to do because I got more interesting things to do. And then when it became more interesting, then they're like, move aside. This is my field now. Get out of here. You're not smart enough. It's, it's Me. men being typical men. They're just like, oh, hey, that's <laughs> yeah. a good idea. Hey, check it out, guys. I, this is my idea. Oh, good job. Yeah. I made this. <laughs> yeah, the, the article goes on. Oh, the article goes on to say that the company's investigative found that the last figure so alarming that 12 of the 32 participants are taking immediate action. Um, so they're like uniting and so forth in a joint effort uh, by companies, including Microsoft and Qualcomm and LinkedIn, to close that gender gap for women in color in tech, aiming to double the number of underrepresented women of color graduating with computer science degrees by 2025. And they're collectively pledging $12 million towards this goal over three years. It's hard because I think that part of the thing is is that you can try to hire these, like whoever you're trying to hire, but with women in these companies, there's so many issues of sexual misconduct, mm. and those things I don't think have been adequately addressed at all. There's very like there's so many. Obviously, not even just in the tech field, but but there's just so many reports of of issues happening in the workplace. Um, against women so even if you get them in there they're going to end up feeling unsafe or something and leave just real quickly on that note I wanted to to pull up this this thing so so there are like women that that will come in the field but they leave increasingly they're leaving the field because on one on one hand there's inadequate paternity policies such as like no maternity leave at all especially at a startup um and so their only option that they can see is to just completely quit. Um, there's also the issue with uh, companies pressuring new mothers to continue their work. 
Uh, I mean, a whole bunch of other bullshit like that. It's just ridiculous. Yeah, well, I mean, it's not just tech that has inadequate maternity policies, but I mean, yeah, that's that's I mean, that's women in the workforce generally, and then it just is like made even worse in tech because there are so few women there in the first place. So it's like Yeah. All the dudes in power are making it harder for women to be in fields typically populated by men and white men, and tech is just happens to be, like I said, that space where it's even worse. Yeah. Is it even worse? I don't know. I don't want to quantify it like that, but... Mm-hmm. It seems like it's worse for some reason, and I, I try to, like, when I was doing research, it was hard, because obviously, like, I work in the tech field, so a lot of my news sources are around tech, but it does seem like most of these social issues are, like, heightened for some reason in the tech field. Yeah. Which is, like, weird, strange to me, because, like, one of the things that draws me to it in the first place is the aspect of of tinkering, um, you know, kind of doing, like, science-based work where you're collaborating and trying to build something new and just kind of having fun creating something, building things using your, your mind to to make something that wasn't there. And it, it involves a high a lot of collaboration. The whole thing is, like, perplexing to me why it seems like it's so hard for white dudes to actually collaborate. <laughs> I have an answer. Just kidding. I don't. Like, <laughs> like if only if only we could just be like, right, well, this is how they could do that. Oh, oh, wait, I have a way to start. Don't publish this kind of bullshit on a fast company <laughs> publication. Like, let's start there. Yes. Let's actually have a conversation. I don't know. I don't know. I could be wrong. I invite Ryan to come onto this podcast and dispel all of our, our myths about him. Our right? skepticism. I want, I challenge I want him. memes. I want, I want names for the humans mm-hmm. at his barbershop. I, that's mm-hmm. where I'm starting. Yeah. I will not have a conversation. Yes. I want, <laughs> their, names. I want their mama's names. <laughs> I, want. <laughs> I want the friends that they sent to him to get jobs in tech, and I want to know what their position is at their company at this moment. Yes. Yes. Oh, yeah. That I reminds want, me of another I wanna, thing I want to bring up. I want um, a picture on his Twitter. Oh, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I was going to say, no, I want no, a ahead. picture on his Twitter that's not a white woman exemplifying diversity in his office, which happened just the other day. Did we Did we talk about, I think maybe we skimmed on it, but did we talk about, because I was like looking at that research for his like his tweet, like his prior tweets, but did we talk about how, like, um, especially like what he's talking about, um, how like the socioeconomic history and like the lack of access to resources and capital in order to just to to do startups and to like get into like like coding and going to school and have access to those resources did we like how it's kind of like overlooked here in this conversation and not included did we talk about this no i don't know no not today that's a good point is that something we wanted i mean kind of like with Like, my first introduction and ability to get to a point where I felt like this was an accessible career for me was the absolutely 100% free online site, Free Code Camp, which, with all types of purposes, doesn't give any different information that the Treehouse does. They just don't have... Actually, no, they do have videos now. They didn't before, but they're not, like, as like high production value. Hmm. But outside of that... Do you think that if Treehouse was truly committed to, like, the claims that they're 
making, especially the ones that Ryan himself is claiming, do you think that making it more accessible, so similar to like that free online coding school, do you think that that would be something that kind of ought to be the case? He should make it free. I think he should make it free if he really cares. Hell yeah. Yeah. If he really cares, he should make it free. Because the thing is, is, I mean, even trying to get in this field now, like I'm you know, 30 years old, and it's like I got so much shit to do. I'm trying to still, you know, I was working at like Starbucks in my meantime, learning how to code and learning this stuff, which is fucking hard. <laughs> and other people, they have kids, just all kinds of, of shit. And then you got to try to pay $25 a month. I mean, at least make it a Spotify subscription of 10 bucks a month at the very least, if you really care. Let me play Ryan and the devil's advocate here. <coughs> yeah. it, 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 I'm not Fuck running a charity. Ryan. I'm not. I'm not Ryan <laughs> running a charity here. What? <laughs> trying to run a business. I want people to benefit from my resources. Then you should give them to me. There, there are like, <laughs> there are tons. There are tons of free coding resources. It seems like online too. Maybe we can link some of those someplace. I can tweet some of them. But, I mean, I feel like there are places to do that for free. It's just not Treehouse. And, P.S., like, so, you know, like Lucy was saying, P.S., Ryan, there are ways to do this. Just like there are ways to speak to people who are different from you and actual conversations to have. There are ways to make this shit free. There are ways to do it. How much money do you make? Mm-hmm. Yeah. He makes enough. I see I him in his really, suit. I think that really solidifies like the point earlier about like how he's just kind of like oh i'm woke now and and i'm totally not using this as a marketing scheme in order to get more people to use my product that i've started hey don't look at those free ones over there look over here i am such a good white person i went to a barbershop i won't name he does make a point not to name the barbershop and he makes it a point a very convenient point not to name any other available resources does highlight however you know, it's really, at one point says, you know, it's really hard. I noticed that it's hard for some people to be able to learn how to code. They can't afford to go to school. And so they only have like a few time, like a few, a few hours a day maybe to learn. And so the best way to do that is online through, you know, an online coding school. Hint, 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 wink, wink. <laughs> <laughs> That's basically it. Yeah. Uh, oh, so one of the things I wanted to bring up too was, uh, a few years ago, I don't know if they do this now, but Lyft had, or I think it was Tech Radar. Well, anyways, like Lyft had published their diversity numbers, whatever you even call that. Uh, which, by the way, like why these why companies always self congratulate themselves? Like, check out how diverse we're becoming. Um, anyway, they released this thing there saying like, hey, our numbers of of people of color, women, it's it's gone up from last year. Um, check it out. But I remember in the article reading that, okay, so those numbers did go up, but those, the people who, who are working, who are people of color, um, women or anything like that, like they are working customer service roles and not, you know, executive roles or being on a development team. And that was something that was, I think that was, that was something that was parsed through the, um, I, I wish I had this article on hand, but it was done through the, the person who wrote the article. It wasn't necessarily published directly from Lyft. So 
so these companies I've noticed will have like a thing of saying like, hey, we have more, you know, people of color and such and such here at this company, but then we'll not say what those actual jobs are, and that's bullshit. Yeah. Because I remember, I don't know if I can, can I say this? I don't know if I can say, I did work for Lyft. I won't say where. I did work for Lyft at one point, and I was on the front lines having to deal with all the drivers and everything like that. And my team expanded. Everyone who did my same role was um, Hispanic. Everyone who worked above me was white. I couldn't have had the worst, a worse manager to be my superior. He was a Boston graduate. He bragged about not doing work, would get promoted, would leave early because he needed to help move a new couch into his house, would still get promoted, and then come in and see me busting my ass, sweating, sweating bullets, dealing with bullshit, and he would go, what's wrong? And I will go, this is kind of bullshit. Like, it's the same thing over and over again. This is stupid. And he's like, well, you know, just keep it up. Or pat me on the back and then fucking just leave. <laughs> that was it. It's just frustrating. Well, I, you know, it, so... Not- I don't want to, I don't know that I should equate that to a Ponzi scheme. However, this these top down <laughs> models, right? And so mm-hmm. like these top down models where people make money off the work and the hard work of other humans. The the other component of Treehouse is this talent path thing that they're doing now that's really just for businesses. Like and they mm-hmm. can con and like Ryan Carson's in charge of it. And so you sign up for talent path and then they say that they work with community organizations that serve populations that are generally not represented in tech, whether that be socioeconomic, gender, race, or sexual identity. So they they say they partner with these community organizations, they give them free training or like, and then they put them into an apprenticeship. And I don't know how much an apprenticeship's charge, like how much you get paid if you're an apprentice, but my, I'm, I am skeptical. I will say I am skeptical because this is then the business paying Ryan Carson money for Ryan Carson to help them diversify. Does yeah. that does that make sense? And so yeah. Ponzi scheme. Yeah, that's interesting because I was looking over the the their website again, looking at the diversity thing, and there's like a couple things that stuck out to me after like some of the things we've been discussing and like I kind of like work backwards on the site, but like one of the things is like their recent EDI initiatives, which is the equity, diversity and inclusion, and they kind of yeah. like give dates and quarters as to like when it began in place. And so I'm pretty sure this company is older than like 2018, but I could be wrong, but they started at 2018, but like one of them is 2019 quarter one. So what, that's like, you know, not that long ago, they said they removed what are your salary expectations questions from interviews and. So they could pay them less? Yeah, right. And, And yeah, exactly. So it makes it more, you know, like challenging to do that. And then like in 2018, the fourth quarter, they added, uh, like quote, consider apprenticeship unquote to request to hire process is that like a like a like a cool feudal term for like internships that are unpaid i mean what um no same question i like it that they call it um diverse talent pipeline so this cat has for sure read Mm -hmm. that book by michelle alexander about the social justice system but we're still gonna call it a pipeline right girl (laughs) right choose your words God, like, and, and to me, Jesus words. He's a white person, and <laughs> I don't, under, I don't understand him. 
use different words. There's a lot of like on the website too that to me it kind of sounds like I don't know if this is a term, but like social justice washing, where they're just trying to like come off super diverse in order to like I, I don't know, like jump on a some sort of like more friendly like capitalist boot on your face in a yeah. sense like because it's like then they talk yeah. about sustainability and it and then like the only thing they say about it is sustainability along with our employee perks and work-life balance we're proud to have an environmentally friendly <laughs> office consciously supporting our community with green practices like what why aren't you saying anything why aren't you telling why it, it, they have a thing that says silver certified what the fuck does that mean why aren't you gold why aren't you platinum certified and then, uh, can you be gold and platinum certified in that? Who, whose standards is this? I don't even... That's a good point. No, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, And then underneath, they go further. I'm sorry, I'm just going on a rant, but it's just like our team, and they just have pictures of like random people, and I'm going to say, to me, it looks like 90% of these people are white. Yeah. <sighs> so, I, so, so... I, I, uh, this is just is social justice washing is this like like equivalent to like pink washing or green washing like it's just like does that does that make i don't know does that make sense yeah like by by the, the new the new capitalist flavor yeah yeah the flavor buy, of the buy, buy a pink water bottle and you have eradicated uh breast cancer for all women so um it's fine <laughs> it's fine i needed a new water bottle anyway um it, it, in addition, in addition to like, and and it mm-hmm. builds, right? And so, not only is it washing, but it's so complex because yes, we're using these words mm-hmm. because they're the buzzwords and the words we're supposed to use, and to look like we are culturally relevant, mm-hmm. to look like we are culturally sensitive to some degree, we do these things and we say these things and we print these things and we put these things on our website. But then, I think the part that we're critiquing is how little of that we are still seeing on the ground. So when Lucy talks about his experiences in tech as somebody in tech and he's saying dude no like this is not I don't see I don't look around me and see the kind of diversity that I would like to see like where is Lucy's support system how does Lucy Mm -hmm. get his foot in the door to say no this is how this is how diversity actually looks are people in your company having that conversation with you, Lucy? I mean, like, these are the kinds of questions that I have, and I think that's why we are critiquing Ryan Carson so much, just because he published his Fast Company article, he keeps tweeting shit on his damn Twitter, and and we're not seeing... We're not seeing how that's playing out. It's just the words, it's just the social justice washing, and it isn't sort of like this free coding or it isn't this you know sort of yeah. like push i'm so glad that you're partnering with community organizations like that's awesome good job i want to give an honest thumbs up that sounds exciting i like that those people get it for free i don't like that they go to an apprenticeship that we don't know how much money these folks are making and you don't talk Do you know about what i mean it. right yeah like that was like a question it's not Yes, like, are these equitable <clears throat> business practices, or do they just make you look good and they're making you more money? Oh, I bet exactly. you that's making him more money. Oh, and mm-hmm. and also, okay, fine, make more money, but then reinvest that as opposed to just like making some sort of pyramid pyramid thing where you have, where you encourage people who rely on those community organizations that you're working with, air quotes, working with, to get diversity in tech I, I mean it just i don't see that reinvestment and i'm not seeing and i'm not convinced like i am not convinced by the words he's using the shit he's posting mm-hmm. the stuff he's publishing mm-hmm. i i don't believe you 
Yeah, I think what you, like everything you mentioned there, like spot on, really excellent critique. And I think you helped clarify kind of the intention and what, you know, like what we're discussing here and why we're critiquing him so much. Um, One thing that stuck out on the website that I think is related to what you're talking about, um, they did mention how they anonymize like job applications to hide gender, age, ethnicity, education, background. Um, for the aim of reducing hidden and unintended biases. Like, they they make that really explicit under their um, commitment to equity, diversity, and inclusion. Um, But I think we've had this discussion, like, prior about um, this concept of hiring practices, uh, like the blind hiring. So, for example, like, no last name. Um, Mm -hmm. but we we had discussed like certain instances where you would like use your Starbucks name, for example. Um, like I had a, (laughs) I had a peer who, um, had a name that, uh, it was a name that, uh, if you heard it, you would probably assume their ethnicity. And even if you anonymize their last name, it still would have been the case that that probably would have occurred. And they, my friend, they, my peer, they had uh, expressed how they had not been hired. They felt like they weren't being hired from like various jobs that they applied to because of that. Um, and so this kind of brings up this concept is the Starbucks name where um, you basically adopt a, a different name in order for it to just be easier or simpler or whatnot, right? Um, I'm not quite sure that that's... Is that really the, the, the answer to, to doing this? Like, <laughs> Not Black Chad. <laughs> Not Gay Sue. Like, what? <laughs> I don't understand. It's like one way to go about it because I know like along those lines, like my, my partner when looking for a house, um, you know, email, email these companies and uh, uh, people and she would... She, her face would show up in the like Gmail um, avatar thing, and and she's a black woman, and she wouldn't get any responses. So she just had an idea like, what if I take that off and I just replace it with some, you know, whatever kind of text it just says like love or something. And then right after that, anecdotally, I was like, obviously she was getting responses back and forth, and she was able to actually make some deals and actually go somewhere. It's like something that like I. It's like, I don't think that's an answer because that's bullshit. Because then it's like now I have to be like ashamed of myself almost exactly. yeah. to, to, to just get my foot in the door, just be, yeah. to, just to be considered, to be heard. Yeah, yeah. So Ryan Carson's article, it's not them, it's you. Except it's also them. I dot you know ellipses. It's not them, it's you. <laughs> dot dot dot. It's also them. And so we're going to take we're going to take these practices and we're going to do these things because that's a problem. Oh, how are you addressing that issue in your company? Are you doing anti-discrimination training? Are you doing cultural bias training, implicit bias training? Like, where's your training extras? I want to see how you're doing that. Who's doing those for you? How are you fixing you? Because, no, I agree with you, Lucy. Like, I don't that's shitty like it's a it's an erasing an important part of your identity and a part of your identity that this dude is saying that he wants to fix in the first place yeah if he's being honest if it's not them it's you then fix you and do it right and and it's gonna take time and you're gonna have to recognize that and having like emoticons on your twitter and like different colors of hands doing like the praise thing or whatever like no (laughs) that's not it girl that's not it. it I'm no. diverse. I use different color emojis. Um, 
Well, that's the systemic nature of this, right? Like, that's the equity and access part. Like, why would you erase all of that when it is important? I mean, like, it's, a, again, that double-edged sword of mm-hmm. how how are you addressing issues of equity and diversity and, equi- and equity, not equality. We're not looking for equality over here. I'm, I'm talking about equity all the way. I'm talking about things that people need when they need it. Not necessarily everybody gets the same thing. It, we need to understand the difference between those things, and you do need more diversity. But that means that you're going to have to talk about equity, and that means, again, money where your mouth is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think that connects Girl. in, too, with this like kind of, uh, maybe it's a little bit more macro, but talking about this is distinctions in diversity, um, I, I'm not convinced that getting more, like just more white women into tech is the answer here. Um, not that, not totally to say- agree. Not, not to say that, you know, we shouldn't get more white women in tech, but it's, I, I feel like the, this cor- kind of corporate answer, this tech answer is like, just get more women in. And then as we saw with the data earlier, like if you're a person of color, you get yeah. like point, like 0.1 funding, like, you know what I'm saying? No, totally. And as a white woman, I agree with you. That tweet that I referenced earlier where there's a woman sitting at a boardroom table and Ryan Carson tweeted this. I don't remember the date. I think we have the date for it. But he tweeted a white woman at a table. He's like, look at diversity in a company. And as a white woman, I'm like, no, that's not what that looks like. Uh, she's Sorry. Just, she's just leaning in. Um, oh, no, you did not. Just say that. <laughs> Take assume uh, power stance A. Go. Uh, <laughs> Oh, no. Is that what I'm doing, being on a podcast with all men? Do I need to be more masculine oh, no. to fit into the space? Is that no, what needs to happen? No, Someone we, needs to tell me now. We need, Can you we, mansplain we, it no. to me? We need to lean out, obviously. Well, actually... <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it's funny because I know you're joking. So, otherwise... Because if Ryan Carson said that to me right now, I'd want to pop him in his nose. Mm-hmm. That would be me leaning in. That would be me taking, ah. you know, like that more masculine. Well, you have to lean in because that gives you more of the force that you need to do does. the damage to your face. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I really got to, yeah, put, put my shoulder into it. Sort of sashay towards yeah. his face, if you will. Just If I can, just explain this. But make sure that you, you know, square off your hips when you punch because that gives you more. <laughs> okay, no, that's really good. It's... I don't condone violence towards Ryan Carson without talking to him first. I'm just worried. <laughs> <laughs> this is where it would go. Like, I'm preemptively concerned that having a conversation with Ryan Carson, he's, he has a kind of a punchable face, really, honestly. He wore a fedora <laughs> and, like, sported a fedora quite often at one point, and I was like, ooh, this, sa- this says a lot. I mean, when he does have these conversations, like, he'll, he'll post videos and stuff, but he's always kind of, like, conveniently in some space that he's basically created. <laughs> and yep. so it's all very kind of curated. Oh, and, I want to see the behind the scenes like, for that. Like, all right, all right, black person over here, all right, all right, woman over here, and action. Hi, yeah, I'm Ryan Carson, like and that. my company yeah. is like, no, 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 diversity. one black person at a time, one black person at a time. <laughs> Tip fedora. Yeah, I, I, I would like, I would like to see like, because yeah, because you're right, because he's the one that's going out there, and he's the one that's putting, you know, he's the one that's talking shit, so like actually show yourself doing the work, like doing, getting out there, talking to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're like, and not, you know, on a couch that you paid for in a studio that you paid for with a production crew that you paid for. But like, I don't know. Yeah. It would be really interesting. Be actually out there. It would be really interesting to see, 
uh, and like an intersectional Marxist like version of of Ryan. Like if he got like like even more like social justice like legit critical woke and just be like, oh my god, I'm exploiting all this labor. Holy fuck, I'm a bourgeoisie. Like, but then go further with it. Dope. I don't know. Maybe in an alternate reality. Maybe maybe this maybe he's just on his way. Maybe we should be more supportive because maybe that's like the next step, and he'll I don't, have another article. I don't want to give <laughs> the bourgeoisie. I don't want to give oppressors that benefit of the doubt. I don't know. I'm so, yeah, I'm, so I'm so torn by so much of this conversation because yeah. I know that we are in spaces where we're able to be really critical about this, and I would suggest that we're all pretty i mean like we have we have power and privilege just in our ability to talk about these sorts of things you know and so maybe other folks look at ryan carson's tweets and his you know like dedication to hashtagging diversity and inclusion (laughs) sorry i have a hard time saying that without laughing um but maybe you know those hashtags are really important to other folks is that could that possibly be true i'm just I want, Mm. I kind of want to believe, I kind of want to believe that there's a white guy in tech who like is really interested in this. It just also seems like he's commodifying it and that, but Mm -hmm. then maybe he has to do that to get the word out. Like, I don't know. Ah, I don't know enough about like if I change this to academia, right? Like if I look at academia and the spaces where I occupy and you have all these people talking about how we need more diversity in these spaces, right? Like we need more women and people of color in engineering. And so the engineering department at the university is like, oh yeah, how do we increase that? And then I continually see that not happening. Like it, it's that sort of pattern, that cyclical pattern of a lot of talk and then like no action to actually make that happen because you're not dealing with those base issues that are causing a lack of women and people of color and different and people from different you know like socioeconomic back you're you're not addressing the root causes that they're not there in the first place so really it's all talk so really it's all hashtags so really it's all you know like let's do an apprenticeship and pay somebody less than they're worth because at least we're getting them in the door mm-hmm. it's hard that's hard but also is that necessary you know i think if we were going to talk about things in a radical fashion no that's not how you could do it you could just open the doors you could just be like, nope, I'm not hiring anybody but black, Latinx, women of color. Like, that's all, like, for one whole Damn. year. That's all. That's the only folks that we're hiring. Fuck yeah. That would offend so many white people. It would be so it amazing. Would, it would offend so many white people, but it, it, look what that would do Fuck if you're yeah. really serious about it. Yeah. I don't know. Wow, you just, like, called him out. You, like. I like it. I like it. <laughs> Again, I have power in that, right? Like, I have this platform where I can just be like, dude, homie, <laughs> homie. You can, you, can, you can grab his ear, pull it towards, and go listen. So after I want to I, I get... After I, huh? le- after I lean in. <laughs> yep. No, you make him lean in. Oh, yeah. power move. Yeah, you, you, power you, finger, move. You, you finger over for him to come over. <laughs> you go, come here. He leans in, then you grab his fucking ear, and you go, you fucking listen to this shit, <laughs> sir. Sir, kind sir. I want to give an honor, I think maybe an I don't know, honorable mention, a mention to um, the person who made the site Free Code Camp. His name is Quincy Larson. So far as I found, like, I didn't actually do a ton of research, but I don't see him going out there explicitly saying, look how awesome I am at making things diverse. 
-hmm. However, I would argue that he actually is making things diverse because he made a free platform to learn. Yeah. So therefore, it's more accessible. Mm -hmm. But he's not going out there saying, here's how accessible it is specifically to black people, and here's why I communicate with only black people, or whatever the thing is. Like His thing is just like specifically... If you want to learn a code, if you want to get into this field, the best way is to learn, and it's really difficult to learn. He says he div he made the site freecodecamp.com because as a, he started learning when he was in his 30s, and it was really difficult and lonely for him, and he just wanted to create a, a resource to make it easier for other people to learn, but also have a, a community of people to work together um, so you won't feel so lonely on the journey. Mm -hmm. And that's it. That's as far as it goes. He doesn't try to, like, to white knight himself in, in, any kind of, in any kind of path. As far as I can see, I haven't seen any articles or anything like that. But I've gone to a few meetups um, for a free code camp, and those meetups do tend to have more um, women and people of color than all the other meetups that I've been to. Cool. So, I don't know. I think that says something. Yeah, I was just looking at um, the Quincy Larson's like Twitter, and he does like post some stuff. Like for example, there's one a tweet he did is like on the 31st of May, saying like I just discovered from Free Code Camp's Instagram a group of 100 women in Karachi are working through the Free Code Camp curriculum together. And basically, like cheers to bringing these people together and whatnot. Because I think, as you said, like you kind of do like these groups when you meet in person to do it. And I think it's yeah. more of like a, it doesn't come off as like, like, tr like the Ryan's where he's like, he's just like, try like being a try hard, like, you know, so much instead it's more like, Oh cool. Like mm -hmm. on this Instagram, like basically somebody is doing this awesome rather than being like, we are doing this and look at over yeah. here. Yeah. He's lifting other voices is what yeah. he's doing. And as white. And so, I mean, like Ryan Carson can talk about how he's an ally. He's obviously not an advocate because advocates lift other people's voices. You want people to be heard that are different from you. This Quincy Larson is a really good example of how you do that. It's not mm -hmm. about him. It's about other folks making a difference. And that's mm -hmm. impactful. Absolutely. So I think that's a good call to action, uh, Ryan. You know, you should look at Quincy Larson and how he's doing it. And really reconsider your uh, commodification and capitalization on basically this white knight social justice washing bullshit that you're doing. Yeah. Yeah, Ryan. You need you need to take a, a long hard look in in that deep dark truthful mirror. You need to be more like Quincy. <laughs> all, all heroes have one, right? They all must have one in some form or another. Maybe he just needs a talking cat. <laughs> a talking cat. <laughs> Maybe that's what he's missing. Hey, if he pays well enough, I'll be a talking cat for him. Oh, no, do not. <laughs> hey, guys, I just got an apprenticeship. Uh, it's pretty sweet. It's pretty futile, but uh, I'm a cat now. <laughs> they say there's a lot of upward mobility. <laughs> oh, God. I also get seven lives. Four, nine. You get seven lives. Nine. Who are you? <laughs> Oh that's yeah, it is nine. That's have nine lives. Oh Lazarus. shit! Whoops. Gosh. Well, here to get use... up on your cat culture, man. You can't speak to something you don't know. I'm thinking dog years. I'm I'm, I'm a dog person. <laughs> Seven years, right? God. I think dogs just have one life. See, it shows how much I that's wouldn't be so able present. to fill that position. 
Oh, that's all right. <laughs> Lucy, Lucy, Lucy fits the fits the fits the stereotypical need for Ryan Carson's company anyway. Are we giving him like a lot of free press? I mean, like, the, like we, I've mentioned this name. I feel like a lot. Um, well, I mean, I guess we are, but also it's still twenty five dollars a month. So I mean, <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw it's like two hundred if you do something. I thought I saw that. Like that's that's a fuck ton of money. By the way, those videos are fucking boring. With the teachers, like, like they're high production quality, but they're so fucking boring. Yeah, it's it's like it's it's like two hundred dollars a month. Get started today God. for one ninety nine a month. What is that? It's oh to get like a tech degree or something. I don't know some. Oh. Uh, some bullshit. It's problematic and it's systematic and it's cringy and it's un it's not fun to talk about and absolutely necessary and i don't think that the way some communities are talking about these issues right now are great i just don't know that that's what we need between the blind hiring the the need for melinda gates to be like there are no women in tech no shit sure. why does she have to post something for people like oh you're right we should probably talk about that white dudes de- determining what diversity actually is and what that means and what that looks like and they're determining and obviously not having conversations with the actual people who this impacts the most it's just it's a problem bigger than this conversation it's a problem bigger than ryan carson it's a problem bigger than the tech industry it's just that someone also needs to critique the way we're talking about it i feel like mm-hmm. i feel like a lot of the stuff i said early on i was like just delete me out i'm just the cis white guy like just delete me out of this episode basically <laughs> <laughs> no, but though see, but as a so as a woman against a gender white woman, I feel like that's advocating for people who are different from you, and so that's important to me as a woman because I never feel in speaking with you, Lazarus, that you do not hear what I'm saying, and that's powerful for people who have been minoritized, not people who are the minority. Yeah. We don't say shit like that anymore, Ryan Carson. But the people who are systemically minoritized to hear those voices is important for cis white men white men generally because the cis part and you know the heteronormative part of that but it's important because if you're not lifting other people's voices there aren't other people in power who can do that it's people like you so that's i mean that's the white woman and and to that point like as a as a person of color it's sometimes you just feel intimidated scared to to confront the person that needs to hear like you the person who needs to hear from you you feel the most afraid to talk to sometimes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, true. I almost never feel that way, actually. I gotta be really honest. There's this episode of 30 Rock where um, Alec Baldwin's character is talking to Tina Fey's character, and he's like, you have the confidence confidence of a much younger woman. And I feel like that a lot. I'm like, yeah, yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. Leaning in has never been a problem for me, but that's the problem for me. So it's like, oh. White men call me out like that, right? Like, <laughs> how come you feel like this is a space where you can speak? And I'm like, I don't know. Why is That's that awesome. I aspire to that. I feel like Kip from Futurama <laughs> most of the time. <laughs> I, I, I just have an issue with the diversity policy. If I could just please have a moment of your time, sir, please. <laughs> That's when, like, Ryan comes in as Zat Brannigan. He's like, oh, diversity, let me tell you. And then I come on this podcast, anonymize myself so I can talk shit because I'm so fucking terrified. <laughs> right? That was a struggle. Whenever, I mean, whenever 
we talked about like figuring out a different name. I was like, is this, no, I don't want to, like, I don't want to be, I want, I, by my nature, I would rather be who I am. I would rather be me and be able to talk, but this, these are scary times, man. Like these are not, this is not a time for any kind of woman to speak her mind. You will get shot. You will get shot. Worst case scenario. Best case scenario, you work for Lyft. Just play <laughs> <laughs> it. All right. Uh, on that note, I think that's a good note to end on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh. Oh. Is, is he going to, Mark, is he going to oh. end that part out too? No, I'm all so this is staying I in like everything. Tragedy plus time equals more tragedy. <laughs> We're actually live streaming this, so. Um... <laughs> oh all right well is there anything else we wanted to comment or discuss about this i love that we have an outline that is barely used (laughs) i apologize i feel like that's nearly always my fault you will see when other co-hosts come on that they're like let's stick to the outline i'm like what outline i even have it up like on my computer same same oh shit same Bobbing and weaving through through the timeline at this point. Sorry, <laughs> no, bad. don't apologize. We did, I was, we I was did touch that. on a lot of this. Yeah, we did. It's it's more like a like a uh, like a rule like a rule of or not rule of thumb but like a like a general outline. You got to know the oh, rules in order to break them. My anarchist side is. It's more so of... like, I, I think it's when we first did this. We didn't have any outline, so we <laughs> lost track all the time. Mm-hmm. So I think it's more so we can just go back to that if we. Mm-hmm. If we need, if we're panicking, <laughs> mm-hmm. okay. Was today panicking? What did it go all right? Uh, not at all. <laughs> <It's okay. laughs> Just kidding. Just kidding. Thank you for joining us. Don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> I think it was great. We thought uh, we thought you had left after I did my was it Shashane? after I did my poor attempt at Shashane. Yeah. Oh, and you're like, yeah. I have to update, and then you're like, I'm gone forever. <laughs> <laughs> That human is never coming back to this platform ever again. (laughs) All right. uh, That's it for this episode. Next episode, we're going to be talking about whiteness and white fragility. And hell yeah. If you want to discuss and examine topics or if you, if, oh God, I'm so off today. New phone, new phone. Who did? All right. All right. If you have any ideas or comments about the show, you can drop us a line on our voicemail at 208-502-1406. You can also send us an email, which we'll be more than happy to probably not read online or on air, or maybe at publicspacetravel at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening to Public Space Travel. This is Hunty. You can find me on Twitter at PST Hunty, Lazarus at PST Lazarus, Lucy at PST Lucy, and our shadow producer Marks at PST in the Shadows. Thanks so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. Public, public space travel. Afterward, buddy. <laughs> <laughs>